you try to have a friend and you have a problem, they're unable to deal with it because of sin. It stumped them. It stopped their growth. That's what sin does. Sin left this boy unable to deal with life. That's how sin is empty. It leaves you, it leaves you unable to deal with the difficulties in life. Maybe you have some issues with addiction. You know, I would encourage you to, to, to deal with it. I would encourage you to open yourself up. You know, we have an amazing chemical recovery ministry right here in this. In this yeah, we got Donald and Iris McNeil who work with people who have come from that background themselves, who have dealt with their own issues and now are able to turn around and help people. And listen, we're coming up on the holidays, right? This is when it's easy to indulge. You're at a party, you're hanging out with people, you know, one drink leads to another drink to another drink. And all of a sudden you find yourself crossing the line and entering into sin. This is when you got to be careful. And maybe you just need to turn yourself in. You know, maybe you're like, yeah, listen, I, I, I think I need to get some help. It takes a lot of humility to get to that point. But you got to deal with your life and your sin because sin leaves you unable to address real life. It stumps your growth. It left this young man unprepared to deal with a famine that had come in his life. How else does sin uh, leave us empty? Well, it, it steals our ability to deal with life, but we also learn here from this passage that sin causes you to wind up in places you never thought you would be. Right? Look back at our text here in verse 15. This man, a, 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 a famine comes, and it says in verse 15, So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Here's a boy that just a few moments ago had everything. And now, because of his sin, he's in a place he probably never dreamed he would be. He's in a pigsty with pigs. That's what happens. That's how sin leaves us empty. All of a sudden, when you and I start giving into sin, you will wake up. It doesn't happen right away. But over time, you wake up and you go, how did I get here? How did my life turn out like this? That's what sin does. You know, years ago, my family and I, were, we were on vacation. And we were driving through the backwoods of Virginia. And we were uh, decided to stay off the highways. And we're driving down this country road. And it's about 9 o'clock at night. It was in the summer. The sun is starting to set right at dusk. And it's a two-lane road. And my whole family, we're all in the car. And we're driving. I'm driving. We're driving down this two-lane road. And in the distance, I see a car coming at me. And this car starts to swerve across the center line into my line as it's coming at me. And my first thought is, okay, all right. You know, whoa, 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 whoa. All right, hold on. Well, it's probably just a mistake. And I expected any minute they'll over, you know, they'll correct and get back in their lane. But they didn't. They just kept coming at us, coming at me slowly, a little bit closer, a little bit more into my lane. And we're coming at each other like 60 miles an hour, right? We're getting close and I can see them. And so I start honking the horn. 
I'm watching them thinking, well, uh-oh, something's gone. And I'm honking the horn. I'm on, And they just slowly, they're drifting into my lane, slowly. Until at the very last minute, I swerved the car onto the shoulder of the road. And they passed me going the wrong way in my lane. I stopped the car, looked in the mirror just in time to see them go off the road into a ditch. They hit an embankment. The car bounced up and landed in a ditch. Dude, freaked me out. Right? So we were all, all of us in the car, we were like, oh my gosh, what just happened? We stopped the car and I got out, I called 911 immediately. And while I was on the phone with 911, as the car is sitting, their, their car is sitting in the ditch, I thought another guy pulled up, a guy driving by, and I stopped him and I said, listen, this just happened. That car just went, you need to help me. Because I didn't know who was in that car, right? I didn't know what was going to be in that. Is somebody, is there, is, did somebody die? Did, did, are they going to get out and be mad at me? You know, thinking I did. Some, I mean, I, you just don't know. So I, I wanted an ally before I went to that car. And this guy pulled over and he and I, he got out. And he, he actually walked over to the car and he's, he's on his way over there. And I'm on the phone with 911 and we're walking over there. And a woman gets out of the car. It's a minivan. She gets out totally fine. Totally fine. Probably in her mid-30s, you know, looked like a mom or something. She got out completely drunk. She was absolutely intoxicated. Not hurt, nothing wrong with her. She gets out, she walks around, she sees her minivan in the ditch, and she, she looks at the minivan and says, how did I get here? That's what sin does. That's exactly what sin that's why sin is so empty. All of a sudden, you find yourself in a ditch somewhere. You look at yourself and you, and you genuinely have no idea how you got there. Now, you don't know. You just plowed through a ton of people and you, 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 you could have hurt people on the way. But because of the emptiness of sin, you find yourself in a pit. And you're wondering... How did I get here? And you genuinely don't know. That's what happened to this boy. And that's what happens to us. Sin is empty. But how else is sin empty? What else does it teach us? It teaches us that sin is empty, not just because it steals our ability to deal with real life. Not only because it causes you to wind up in a spot you never dreamed you would be. But sin is also empty because it leaves you and me obsolete. Sin leaves you and me, it renders us obsolete. I mean, look again, back at our text here. It says there in verse 16, he's in the pig, the pigsty, and it says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Here is a boy who came from wealth. Here was a boy who just a little while ago had everything he needed, everything he wanted. In fact, we learn later in the parable, he had servants. His dad, had, he had people he could speak to and they would obey. What? That's where he came from. But his sin causes him to wake up in a spot. He doesn't know how he got there. He's in a pigsty and no one will give him anything. He'd lost all influence. That's what sin does. 
Listen, it always amazes me when people come into church and they're, you know, riddled in bitterness and anger and, and, and issues and, and, and just obviously indulging in sin, but then want to give us some advice on how we need to run the church, right? You ever had that happen before? You know, and listen, I'm not, hey, listen, I am open to anything. I, I don't claim to have a market on how this needs to do it. We follow God, right? So I'm open to anybody's input at any time, right? I, I, I will tell you that, but but it's hard when someone comes in and you know, they don't even come to church on their own, right? And they want to be like, here's what the church needs. Listen, man, come on. You need to get yourself some commitment. You need to deal with some bitterness in your heart. You need to deal with the sin in your heart so you won't be obsolete. It's hard to take advice from somebody on finances who's just soaking in debt, right? So tell me how you got out of debt. Well, I'm actually not out of debt. Well, okay, why don't you get your life together a little bit? Not that you got to be perfect, right? No one, you know, no one's looking for perfection here, but come on, man. Deal with your heart a little bit before you start becoming an armchair quarterback. And that's what happens with sin. We get soaked in sin, but we're like, yeah, let me give you some advice. No one wants to hear it. Really. I mean, we want to hear from people who have had some success and they had some direction in their life. That's what I'm saying. And that's what sin does. Here's a boy who couldn't even get somebody to give him pig food. That's how obsolete he had become. That's what sin is. That's what sin does, man. That's what sin does. Sin. Sin leaves you empty. It promises you the world, but just delivers pain. That's what sin does. God said to Cain in Genesis 4, verse 7, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Let us not give in to the emptiness of sin. Are you tangled up in sin? Are you? Are you hiding it? Is there something you need to be open about? Confess, bring it out into the light. There's secrets that you have that only you know or maybe only a couple people know. Man, it's empty. I know, I've been there. I've been there. I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. I'm speaking with you. I've been there. It's time to wake up. It's time to no longer give sin the foothold in our hearts. Sin is empty. There's good news is in the, the good news of this story is we can change. Let's go on and read. What else do we learn about this from this boy, this young man? Looking and we learn, the second thing we learn is this. Sin is empty and we learn this. You gotta own it. You gotta own it. Now this is not rocket science. This is pretty straightforward stuff, right? But sometimes we need to be reminded of this, this stuff. You gotta own it. Look back in our text, verse 17. It says, when he came to his senses. And that's what we want to have happen. We sometimes just need to come to our senses. You know, we just got to wake up and go, what am I doing? What am I doing? I need to come to my senses. This young man comes to his senses and he says, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. Listen, we got to learn from this young man, first of all, that sin is empty. It promises you the world, but it just delivers pain. That's what sin does. And if you want to fix it, if you want to deal with it, you got to own it. You got to own it. The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 3, the same verse that I quoted before that teaches us what, what sin is, also tells us one other thing. It says we've all sinned. So again, I'm not sitting here as a self-righteous. I'm not sitting up here saying, hey, all of you guys need to repent. I'm preaching to myself. I'm included in this. We all sin. That's what Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says. We all find ourselves blowing it in some form or some fashion. But like this young man, you got to own it. You just got to own it. The son didn't stay in the pig pen. He took responsibility. He said, man, I don't even, I don't need, I'm going to, I'm, he took responsibility. How did he take responsibility? A couple ways. Look back at the text here. One, he realized there was something better out there. Look at verse 17 again. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He woke up and said, wait a minute. This is not how it's supposed to be. This is not how it's supposed to work. There's something better out there. There's something better for him. He once said, listen, even, even my, my father's servants have food. I mean, there is something better out there. I've talked to so many people in my life who've become Christians. And when I've asked them, hey, what is it? What moved you? How did you become? More often than not, people say, well, what prompted me to start my quest to become a Christian is I realized there's got to be something better out there. And it's true. There is something. You're right. There is something better for you. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You are God's workmanship. You're God's handiwork. God made you for something better than what you're doing. He didn't make you for sin. That's not the point for you. He's got something better and bigger planned for you. And if you want to take responsibility for where you're at, the first thing you got to do is realize there's something better out there. There's something better. God has a better plan for you. Not only did he realize that there's something better, but then he made a plan, didn't he? Look at that. In verse 18, he comes up with a plan. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. So he, he, he didn't just wake up and go, I am in sin and there's something better out there. But then he made a plan. He made a plan. And notice his plan is drenched in humility. It's just soaking. It's just dripping in humility, his plan. His plan says, listen, I don't deserve this. I deserve nothing, but I'm going to go back to you. That was his plan. His plan was just to go to the Father. He didn't make an alliance, right? He didn't do some groundwork. Well, let me go check in with the servants first and kind of get a gauge for where the Father... You know, there's no, there's no, you know, there's no... He just went for it. 
Sometimes we're like, all right, well, I'll repent, but, you know, let me, you know, let me make sure people, you know, understand where I'm coming from. No, man, just repent. Just repent. Just do it. Yeah, but you got to really see it my way. You know what? Whether I see it your way or not doesn't matter. You need to repent. I need to repent. When we are in sin, make a plan to get to the Father and let yourself just be drenched in humility. It's not like you're entering a business relationship with God. Well, God, I'll come back to you if you do this for me. No, no. The nature of our relationship with God is this. You were going to hell and you're not anymore. That's it. That's the nature of our relationship with the Father. He loves you and he snatched you from the fires of hell. So whatever he wants, he gets. That's humility. That's what humility is. This guy made a plan. He didn't make excuses. No excuses. Don't make excuses for why you're where you're at. Just turn yourself into God. Turn yourself into your brothers and sisters. Be humble. Come on. He made a plan and then he took action. Sometimes we make plans and they just stay in our minds as plans. But it says there in verse 20 that he got up and he went. So it wasn't just a good idea or a theory. He did it. Turned himself in. He went and he confessed. Here's where I'm at. Here's who I really am. I've blown it. I need help. I've messed up. You gotta own it. When trouble comes your way, who do you blame? Do you blame your spouse? Blame your kids? Blame the church? You know, if the church was doing this better, then I wouldn't have this trouble in my life. Do you blame God? God, you can do anything. Why are you letting this happen to my life? Or do you just own it? Do you just own it? Say, I've made my choices. These are my choices, and here's where I'm at. I need to change. That's it. Yeah, but Phil, I haven't done anything wrong. I don't have to own it. All right, you're in luck. There's another character in this story that's for you. He's called the older brother. And if you can hang on a week, we'll talk about him next week. So come back next week. But for the rest of us sinners in this room, let's go ahead and just be humble and own it. We sin, own it. Well, I'll own it if they say they're sorry. No, own it. Well, if they get it, then I'll own it. No, you're going to keep sitting in the pig pen until you own it. Until you realize God's got a better plan. He's got a better plan. Make, you need to make a plan and get up and turn yourself in. Stop blaming people for your life. Just own it. Own your decisions. Own it. Open your life. Open your heart. Open your Bible. Proverbs 19.13 says, A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Let us not be those people. Let us not be those people. Let's just own it. Own our part of it. Own it and change it. What do we learn from this young man? We learn that sin is empty. We learn that you got to own it. But we learn also that home 
is always an option. Home is always an option. Look at Luke 15. Again, back in verse 20, it says, So he got up, he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, didn't even listen to him, just whatever, all right, just said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring for his finger, fingers and sandals for his feet. Put, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Listen, sin is empty. And you and I, when we sin, we got to own it. We can't blame people. But we also got to remember, really, the big point in this whole parable is this. Home is always an option. You can always come home. The Father is waiting for you. He wants you. You're not too far gone. No matter what you've done or where you've been, it may take some work. You may have to focus on, you know, 1.1 and 0.2, but but home is an option. The Father is waiting for you. He wants you. You know, there are people that have become Christians here and have left. They can always come back. They can always come back. The doors are open. The doors are, we want people to return. We want people to be restored to their faith. We want that. That's the point. That's what God wants. He wants people to come back to home is always an option. Sometimes we drift and it may not always be physically, right? Sometimes we're sitting right here in church, but spiritually we're somewhere else, right? Or mentally we're somewhere else. Sometimes we drift. You can come home. God wants you to come home. It's the point here. He's begging you. He's waiting. And we we talked about this two weeks ago. He's pleading. He's watching. He's running. The son comes back and he owns it. And he realizes the emptiness of sin. But the father's like, all right, all right, let's go. Let's celebrate your home. Sometimes we want to skip right to the celebration without point one and point two. And you need to do point one and point two. But the father's role is to embrace us. That's what God does. Home is always an option. I understand that forgiveness is tough, especially with each other, right? Sometimes somebody hurts us, you know, and we, we have a hard time forgiving them. I understand. I've been there. You know, when the, the police finally arrived at the car accident, you know, we were sitting in the car waiting, and, the, and, and, and when the policeman got there, after I got over my initial sense of fear, I then got angry because I saw this person who was unharmed in any way, sort of st- stammering there on the side of the road. And I thought, you almost killed us because of your sin. And I got mad. And my wife was like, okay, honey, the police are here. Let's go ahead. We gave them our information, gave our number. And the police officer was like, you guys can go. And, and my wife was like, honey, can we just go home? Can we just go home? Can we just go home? And I wanted to stay. And I was like, can we stay? Because you know why I wanted to stay? I wanted to see her get arrested. That's what I wanted. 
I wanted my daughter to see her get arrested. I wanted my kid to know, hey, this is the consequence of your negligence. And it was hard. In fact, to this day, I don't know what happened. I don't know. We left. I don't know. I don't know if she went to jail. I don't know if she got a ticket. I, have no, I don't know if her license I have no idea. And I had to learn to just trust God and let it go. To for, forgiveness is hard. It doesn't mean I have to feel good about it. I, there's nothing about that scenario I feel great about. But I don't have to hold a vengeance in my heart towards another person. Because home is always an option for us. We all need forgiveness. We all need it. We all need it. Forgiveness is tough. But thank God he is an expert forgiver. That's what he specializes in. He specializes in forgiving. None of you, none of us, none of me. We are not too far gone. We can return. As the great philosopher John Bon Jovi said, who says you can't go home? God wants us. He loves us. Sin is empty. You got to own it. But you know what? Home is always an option. Thank you. Amen.